welcome to episode 213 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on May Day 2019. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Hi there. I'm Carlton Reed, and today's show is a conversation with Mariut Oliterbo, who is the vice chair of the Finnish Cyclists Federation. Uh, we talked about helmets, high vis vests for chickens, and the differences between cultural safety and actual measurable safety, and not just for chickens. So I've got uh, uh, Mariut. Uh, Olitervo, and uh, I did practice that beforehand, but I, I absolutely won't have done it absolutely fantastically correctly. So, Mariut, uh, please, for the record, just tell us uh, the, the pr- cor- correct pronunciation of your name. It's Mariut Olitervo. But I didn't, I didn't roll did it so much. Did I? You, you did some beautiful rolls there. <laughs> I didn't roll it so much. You did a, a good job with my name. Yeah. Well, that, that's very kind of you to say so. Thank you. Uh, and you're also going to have to help me because I, I, I understand what the Finnish Cyclist Federation means in English, but tell me what, how you say it in, in, in Finnish. In Finnish, it's pyöräliitto. And does that mean cycle something? Is What's, what's the yeah, word for bicycle? Yeah, it's like the cycle in? union. So in many languages, um, bicycle can be like steel donkey or equivalent what what does it mean in 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 finnish what is what does the word for yeah. bicycle actually mean literally well it's it's the same word for example for a wheel pyörä ah, it, it means like a any any wheel or something like that so so that's very traditional because that's the traditional way in the 1880s uh, the, the people used to describe their bicycles. They used to call them wheels. Yeah. So basically, you've you've kept that form. Yes. Yes. It's simple and easy to understand. Yes. Uh, apart from when cars came along, which also had wheels, I guess. So, well, what do you call cars then? In that case, car is auto. Oh, okay. That's yeah. pretty easy. Yeah. Okay. Right, so I've now given the game away in that, yes, you are the vice chair of the Finnish Cyclist Federation. Um, so tell us, what, what does the Finnish Cyclist Federation do? What are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Well, we um, lobby for better conditions to um, cycling traffic. Uh, we try to influence the decision makers and uh, we promote cycling and we are the like the umbrella organization for the local cycling organizations in Finland. Okay, and where are you based? Are you Helsinki? Uh, well, sort of. Yeah, I think Helsinki is like the official base, but we mm-hmm. have people all over Finland. So, like our executive manager, he lives in Tampere. 
Um, but yeah, it's Helsinki, yeah, officially. And how successful are you? So how, how important does the government treat cycling, for instance? Well, um, yeah, it, it's, I, well, I'm not happy with that yet. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, everybody loves cycling. Everybody wants that, uh, like says that, yeah, cycling is a good thing, etc. But what happens in reality isn't very much. There isn't really money for cycling yet nationally and uh we have we had this um recently this uh road law reform and we wanted some laws uh should be renewed better for cycling and they like really nothing was done for cycling in my opinion some little things but not really something important and uh, stuff like that so i think we are getting there but it it takes time and uh, it's kind of slow. And, and there, there is this really strong car ideology in Finland, mm-hmm. like in many mm-hmm. other places too. So mm-hmm. it's difficult to get past that ideology to really, you know, really do something for cycling. So on a scale of an, on an Amsterdam, on a Dutch scale, so where would you place the best city, the best town in in Finland for cycling? Uh, compared to, say, Amsterdam being the best and, um, say, Birmingham in the UK being being pretty down low. So where would you fit, do you think, as one of your best cities? That's a tough question because cities in Finland, they are so different. Some cities, have they have something good and then some other stuff is bad. And, you know, but I would say maybe, maybe Oulu. I think Helsinki is also pretty good. Um, we have a bike share now, which is really popular, and it's it's really um, it has been expanding lately. And there are also other other cities that are good, like Joensu and uh, and Turku. I mean, people who live in Turku might might not agree with me mm. <laughs> with this mm. one, but uh, there are a lot of cyclists there. And um, yeah, maybe it's Oulu. Because in all they also cycle all year round because the city uh, clears the cycle baths from the snow. So it's possible to cycle in the winter. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually. I, is it an, a, you know, a, a year round thing or, or did, you know, in the winter you, you put away your bikes? Because Michael Colville Anderson, you know, Copenhagen eyes, uh, what he says, it, he describes it as Viking biking. You know, people who, even though they, the weather's incredibly tough, from say a, a a UK or American perspective, people are still out there cycling, even though it's it's snowing like crazy. So that that you it wouldn't it wouldn't phase a Finn to to be cycling in the snow. Uh, some people continue cycling in the winter, but it's a minority. Uh, most people leave their bikes um, and then they take something like a car or public transport. Uh, but there are people who cycle in the winter, for example, like me, <laughs> I do that. Um, yeah, I think it's all about maintenance and and also to when people start cycling, they first cycle only in the when it's good weather uh, and then maybe they get used to it and then they want to try cycling in the winter and and like that. 
So what kind of cycle lanes do you have, cycleways in the cities? Do you, do you have much at all? We do have quite a lot. Uh, we kind of copied our design philosophy from Sweden uh, back in the 70s. And uh, there are a lot of these joint cycle path sidewalk things where pedestrians mm -hmm. and cyclists are mixed together, which is, um, it's okay if there is not really much traffic. But if there is, uh, you know, a lot of cyclists or pedestrians with dogs, and and then it's really, it's uncomfortable and it's it's it can even be dangerous. Um, we have a lot of those, and then we have these kind of the same thing, but there is a line in the middle to sort of separate the cycling and and walking, mm -hmm. and then we have some bicycle lanes that are on the they are like on the road uh, next to the car lanes. Uh, at least we have those in Helsinki and some some in other cities too. And then there is also, there are like these quieter streets without any cycling infrastructure mm. with, because it's not needed when it's quiet, quiet street. So when, when, when the Finnish Cyclist Federation is lobbying local and national, is it local or national government that you lobby? Uh, national. Okay. It's national, okay. So when you're lobbying national government, what are you asking for? Money, first of all. <laughs> money okay. and, uh, you know, uh, money for cycling and to also to that the government should give money to the uh, cities so that the cities can build better infrastructure for cycling. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, and also better laws for cycling and, uh, you know, these other things like you can get some tax reduction uh, if you cycle mm -hmm. to the work or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But so that's reasonably common. So that's, that's basically what cycle activists, I guess, around the world uh, are asking for. Yes. Which is money always helps. But it's interesting that you said that you're going national because and I don't know how much you know about the UK, but in the UK, the national government has pretty much devolved all responsibility for cycling to local authorities. So it's very difficult to actually lobby national government because they just say it's nothing to do with us. You know, we we give local authorities money. It's up to them how to spend it. But you're saying you're lobbying national government. So you're, you're expecting the national government to tell the local governments what to do. Yeah, not really to tell them what to do, but to give them money and and in you know with the condition that it's spent wisely on cycling mm -hmm. uh to of course they should somehow monitor that it that is it's spent wisely um so of course it's it's up to the cities mostly to build the cycling infrastructure um but it really helps if they get the money from from the government mhm mm mhm mm so one of the laws that I know, I, I didn't know this before I asked you this um, a few days ago when we started talking on on uh, direct messages on, on Twitter, but the helmet law that you have in, in Finland is a bit strange in that it, it, it's a law, but you don't have to really um, adhere to that law. So, so, so tell me exactly what you're meant to do with helmets if you're cycling in Finland. What we're what meant to do? Well, what, are you meant to wear helmets? Are you forced to wear helmets right. in yeah. Finland? Or? 
Uh, no, it's it, we're not forced uh, to wear helmets. Luckily, uh, yeah, it's the it's a weird law. It says that uh, cyclists use uh, should usually wear a cycling hel helmet, and um, here the word usually it means that it's a recommendation. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know if anybody else in anywhere in the world has such laws that are like recommending things, <laughs> but uh, we have, we have in Finland, and it means that you can't get a ticket for not wearing a helmet. Um, but yeah, it's it's a weird law, and and we wanted to get rid of that law, but it. It didn't happen. Um, the the car ideology is so strong that they wanted to keep the law, uh, bicycle helmet law, because they weren't doing anything real stuff for cycling uh, safety. Mm. So the helmet law is kind of you know we did something for cycling safety, and it, it's the helmet law. <laughs> so if you're a car driver and you 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 must wear a seatbelt. Yes. Yes. And is that is that similar recommendation? You don't have to, and you won't get a ticket for it, or is that absolutely solid? It's solid. Yeah, you have to wear a seatbelt in a car. So there's there's clearly a difference going on there then in the way they're they're thinking. Yeah, yeah, because they um they didn't want to have the um mandatory helmet law because they knew uh, how it affected cycling in Australia back in the nineties. So this is kind of a compromise between no helmet law and a mandatory helmet law. And it's really silly, but we have it. So no no point having it, but they can then say we've done something for cycle safety. Yeah, yeah. And also we have this uh, road safety council that uses kind of this law as a to to educate people about bicycle helmet. And they, they are saying that we have a bicycle helmet law but they're not really telling people that it's a recommendation. And so people think that we have a mandatory helmet law. Many people think that. Okay. So it was helmets. The reason I'm kind of asking about helmets is because helmets is how I found you, in effect, because you um, answered Ian Walker, Professor Ian Walker, one of the, the, the leading lights in, in helmet studies in the UK, uh, with a paper of your own. And this is a presentation you've given, I think, at least three times um, so far. And I will put a link in into the the show notes, or so people can actually see uh, your, your your presentation in all its glory. Um, but if we just go through a few points uh, in here, so we'll, we'll skirt some of the the issues, and and if people want to get into the absolute meat of the issues, then they should uh, click into the show notes and and find out. But the thing that jumped out to me. Uh, right away, which was which was a a good way of putting it, uh, is the difference that you put on here about uh, cultural safety and actual safety. So so talk us through that. Yeah. So um, I I use this concept concepts um, because it makes uh, people easier easier for people to understand what they are actually talking about when they think they are talking about road safety and uh, often like when we are talking about something uh, we are act actually talking about for example like morality so um, cultural safety is is about um, 
it's about what feels what we feel or think that is safe or risky and that's a social construction and it's affected by by the media uh, traffic safety agencies and morality is a is really a, a one big thing that affects it uh, so this cultural safety is described by rhetorics and it, it appeals to our emotions like uh, when people say that uh, when you hit your head a bicycle helmet will save you or statistics won't help you when you're in hospital or um, stuff like that or if it saves one life it's worth doing that's a pretty common one. Yeah, that? it's, that's that's real. Yeah, it's really irritating. <laughs> so and and so to separate that from actual safety, which is a mathematical concept, and it's about what actually is risky or safe according to um, crash and injury rates, and this actual safety is described by uh, numbers and real world data, and it's defined by the laws of physics. Like what actually causes destruction in traffic is mass and speed. That is the car, of course. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that's basically the difference between cultural safety and actual safety. So that, if it saves one life, it's worth it. It's an argument that you can absolutely use for somebody to wear a helmet in a car or as a pedestrian as well. Yet it's never ever used for that. It's always pretty much only used for, for bicycle helmets. Is that, that, that the same in Finland? Yes, it's the same, yeah. I think it's the same in everywhere. Uh, people are not really consistent about their arguments. It's just a phrase they, you know, repeat. They, they heard it somewhere and then they think it's a really clever phrase and then they repeat it without actually understanding what it means, what they are saying. So th this is why I like the way you're describing it as cultural safety, because it's just... Because you could probably tell people, uh, you could give them the actual safety until the cows come home. You know, for ad infinitum, you could keep on saying, oh, no, this is the actual physical data. But they're not listening to that. They're listening emotionally. Of course, you must protect your head when you're on a bicycle. But culturally, we don't say the same when we're walking on ice. So there's a definite cultural aspect to this. And, and why a bicycle and why not walking on ice? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> it is. Um, and it is, so it's not Finnish. It's not Australian. It's not American. It's not. It's a very common global issue. It is. And it's. Um, it's. It's so difficult to talk about safety because um, it's uh, the rhetorics the governments and traffic safety agencies use. It appeals to emotions, and safety appeals to the you know the danger thing appeals to our like we are scared of things, and it's always mm. it's always more efficient to you know appeal to emotions than to appeal to logic. And, you know, you have to think logically to understand what safety really is about. So it's kind of, a, I feel like <laughs> it's, it's impossible to win this, this uh, argument thing about safety because I have to use logic and, and the other one, they only use uh, emotions. It's unfair. <laughs> Do you think it's similar to the, that, that relatively common heuristic of where people fear 
terrorism, for instance, and fear that they might lose their lives from a terrorist incident, which is unbelievably rare. And yet the real thing that's genuinely going to be harming them, which is a bad diet, you know, eating too much, not getting enough exercise, they pretty much get rid of that in their heads. And so that's, that's almost like a cultural thing. So again, it's, it's, culture versus actual would you say that's fair yeah it's a similar uh, yeah thing with that it's it's so easy to ignore the slow death you know by sitting and and eating too much and not exercising and you know parents who who will not let their children cycle uh if they if the children don't want to wear a helmet or even if they would would wear a helmet the parents are you know afraid that something will happen uh so they are actually doing bad things for the child because the child is not learning to you know balance and and to read traffic and to uh, move independently by themselves and learning this active way of um of moving around um independently mm. And, and sticking with children, you may, I mean, oh, this is an adult thing as well, I don't know, but this is this is new to me. I mean, I'm, I'm very aware that people uh, want people to wear high-vis, you know, yellow vests. But then you talked in your piece about pedestrian reflectors, and I, I'm not too sure I know what they are. Where where do you put them? What are they? And, and, and you're saying that it's a Finnish invention. So it's obviously quite endemic, quite quite popular in Finland. Yeah, it's a pedestrian reflector. It's, it's just a small um, piece of of reflective material, um, and like something like five centimeters long or something. And then you just attach attach it to somewhere on your clothes, and and it, it hangs hangs from your clothes, and then it blinks if if some light reflects from that. Uh, so it's really um, for the convenience of the car driver in cities at least because in cities we have um we have street lights and uh, not everybody has a reflector so the car driver should should anyway be prepared that to see pedestrians and and animals who don't have reflectors <laughs> yes animals aren't gonna well in fact <laughs> you know dogs <laughs> There is a very funny incident in, in, in the UK, and you, this is a genuine product. You can genuinely get little high-vis vests for chickens, for hens. What? <laughs> you can. This is, this is a genuine product. Uh, uh, so it's just, yeah. Chickens? To, to, keep, to keep chickens safe from, from motorists running them over. Oh, uh, my God. Work at all, <laughs> That's so Google it. It's quite funny. The, the, the photographs are quite funny. Uh, funny yet at the same time this is incredibly sad yeah. that you're in, you know blaming the chicken <laughs> instead of just slowing down oh my god that's so funny uh, or maybe it's just an English thing I don't know it's 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 pretty poor um, so talking about the uh, the high-vis vest you 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 you're saying that it's it's becoming more popular in Finland to to dress pedestrians in in high vis stuff, so it's in, so again, it's it's like the chicken thing. You 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 blaming people if you're not wearing such stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it's becoming more popular, but it's it's one thing that the road safety council promotes for people. Um, and yeah, you sometimes you see people wearing those uh, reflective vests in even in cities, 
you know, it's a, of course, it's a different thing if you go out in the country and there is no no streetlights at all and car, cars going like 80 kilometers per hour. Then it's probably a good idea to have one. Um, but in cities, um, yeah, it, it's it's weird if you think about it that like what's the ultimate goal for the traffic safety council that do they want everyone to wear wear a safety vest because uh then it would be really weird we had this uniform that everyone should dress the same way and and uh it's it's really crazy if you think about it it does actually have quite a, a political connotation now, of course, with the the, the gilet jaune yes. in France. So the whole yellow vest thing is becoming maybe it's going to be more difficult in the future to actually get people to wear these things because that sets you out as a certain kind of protester now. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I it's there is this sort of. Um, it leads to sort of competition, like how would I say it in English, uh, a visibility competition. Whoever has the most mm-hmm. plinking outfit will win and survive, you know. And then everyone else mm. will have to have plinking things on them. Uh, it's really, it's really crazy. I think. Yes, it's like a a war. Yes. Who's going to have the most stuff? Yeah, and it's going to be the car at all times because they're going to have the the highest light. So you can never dress as as powerfully as lit as a as a car, of course. So you're always going to be coming worse off uh, compared to the lights a car is going to. Yeah, have. and it's also also these uh, reflective vests and things. Um, they suggest that it's up to me, like uh, if I'm a pedestrian, it's up to me to make myself visible for the driver. Uh, like, like it had nothing to do with the driver looking at me or looking at the right direction. Uh, whereas this, it's it's mostly about the driver observing actively uh, around them. So mm. it shifts the responsibility from the driver to the pedestrian and cyclists. So in in your your paper, you also have this, and again, this is another one of these things that just. Uh, uh, jumped out to me and that you're basically talking about uh, it's it's safer to cycle at 20 kilometers an hour without a helmet than 30 kilometers an hour wearing a helmet so where's where's your reasoning there yeah um my reasoning is that <clears throat> the speed affects the risk of crashing quite a lot um you can you can actually calculate use some there are some formulas for that you can use uh i used one one i found like it was like if you drop your speed from 30 kilometers per hour to 20 kilometers per hour it was about uh it 50 percent uh lower risk of crashing um so yeah when you when you cycle slower uh, you have more time to observe, you have more time to react, you have more time to break. Uh, the braking uh, distance is shorter. Uh, it's easier to control the bike. Um, if you fall, it's easier to control the fall so that you will not hurt yourself so badly. And um, 
and it's yeah when whereas this bicycle helmet don't it doesn't prevent crashing it doesn't help you at all with that it only softens the impact if you crash and hit your head and then it mm. might soften the impact a little bit so it is yeah my reasoning is there that lowering the speed uh lower, lowers the risk way more than a bicycle helmet and then further on the piece you also ask and and this is it is it's an absolutely valid question why would a driving association so like i guess the finnish equivalent to triple a in the us or the aa in the uk like automobile association why would they have any interest any interest at all in bicycle helmets what's it got to do with them yeah exactly <laughs> it's like a it's a really good good question and the only thing i can think of why they are interested in bicycle helmets is that because then uh, then the bicycle helmets they serve the cultural safety and the safety will be dealt with bicycle helmets and so they will not have to do anything real because anything mm. real would mean restricting car traffic or uh, like lowering the car speed so it's a convenient way to preserve the uh, the status of the car mhm i you know i can imagine many people listening to this will <laughs> as as me right now would be just sitting there nodding because yeah that's that's absolutely what even if you're a, a, an incredibly um enthusiastic helmet wearer and i sometimes wear a bicycle helmet sometimes i don't but anyway if you're even if you're a helmet wearer you must recognize that that is what the helmet in in other lobby groups hands that's what it is used for it it's often it's actually used as a, a stick to to hit cyclists with in order to as you say to to make sure car traffic is not restricted and certainly isn't slowed down which is it's the biggest thing that the car lobby doesn't want it, it absolutely doesn't want to go any slower it, it it wants to go as fast as it possibly can yes yes bicycle helmets are they are used to replace actual safety that's what what what's happening so your your point in here is and this is not just motoring organizations it's other agencies as well who are often actually when you start digging down they are actually funded by the motor lobby uh, but why do traffic safety agencies concentrate on cultural safety in your phrase and not actual safety yes uh, at least our um our national um, traffic safety council most of the member organizations are somehow representing car um, car drivers or you know um something to do with car industry or or insurance or something like that uh so there is a bias in the in the traffic safety council and uh yeah it was funny because we we had this like the road law reform i was talking about and we suggested uh that we should lower the default uh, uh speed limit for in cities which is it is now 50 kilometers per hour um so we should lower that to 30 kilometers per hour which would increase safety quite a bit uh but the uh, 
Road um, Safety Council, they didn't um, they didn't ask for that at all. They they were not talking about that at all. They were just talking about bicycle helmets and and some other other things. Mm. So, so, now, this is going to be tough because we're audio only and we can't show people this. So you've got to describe this. But of course, people can actually go and click into your presentation and get these graphs. But I just like you to describe these graphs because I have seen this done before and it is a fun thing to do. And that is the the, the graphs uh, which show cyclist deaths and the helmet wearing rate. And this is in Finland, but I've seen this for, for elsewhere. It absolutely equates. And so it, it, it basically, well, you can describe it, but it, it, it plots one way. But then you give another graph to then show that, well, something else might be at, at play here. So just describe those two graphs to us. Yeah, so if you look at cycling deaths from the 90s, um, cycling deaths have come down from about 100 to something like 20 in a year. And at the same time, the helmet wearing rate has increased from almost from zero to something like uh, 40%. Um, so you would think that maybe the cycling deaths have come down because the helmet wearing rate has increased. So it's because of helmets. But if you add uh, pedestrian deaths to the same chart, you can see that also pedestrian deaths have come down quite similarly uh, to bicycle cyclist death, deaths. So uh, so this conclusion that helmets would have anything to do with this um, increased safety would mean that somehow magically helmets reduce also uh, pedestrian deaths, which is very kind of unlikely thing to happen. So uh, probably other things have like mainly lower speed limits have a major impact on the increased safety. And the other thing that I, I, it tickles me definitely, even though it's a it's a very emotive and, and 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 not very nice subject at all. But that is how helmets have actually cycle helmets don't just reduce in many um, statistical papers when you actually look at the the actual figures that the the, um, the researchers use. They also reduce arm and leg injuries. So there's clearly something else going on here, and it can't just be the helmets if you're also protecting knees and elbows and, and tibulas and fibulas and stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, there are many problems with with bicycle helmet studies because they have been done in such a way that they are actually looking for the correct answer, uh, the correct result, which, which is that bicycle helmets uh, reduce injuries and this. So they get the result they are looking for, and then they are not uh, really objectively um, considering other options that might affect the, the increased safety. So yeah, it's there is a lot of bad research in this in this uh, area. But what is actually interesting is um, there is a helmet study from Switzerland. It's not about bicycle helmets, but it's it's about uh, alpine skiing helmets. Um, mm -hmm. The skiing helmet it's it's similar to bicycle helmets when it comes to impact um, uh, impact thing. Um, and of course, in skiing the the speeds are higher than in cycling, and it's different sport uh, different sports. But in ten years, during ten years, 
the helmet wearing rate increased from 0% to 71%. And wow, um, yeah, and, and this is a, like a nice, nice study because you have sort of a closed environment when there are uh, less uh, interfering factors, uh, confounding factors and, and stuff like that. So you can actually study if the helmet is reducing injuries. And um, what they found was that the number and severity of head injuries did not uh, go down at all, uh, which is really surprising because even even I would ex- expect that there would be some reduction, you know, from zero to 71%, but there was no effect at all. And... And this certainly tells us something about the effectiveness of helmets, even though it's a different is, sport. Do the I haven't looked at this study, but do the do the researchers mention risk homeostasis? You know that theory that if you're wearing a helmet, you will actually on a bicycle or on skis, you will actually go faster. So it, it wipes out the safety benefits in effect. Yeah, risk risk compensation. Um, mm. I can't remember if they mentioned that. But yeah, it might be a factor. But what actually, in the end, uh, is relevant is that the bicycle, uh, the helmet, did not help. Uh, it did not reduce the amount of injuries or the severity of the injuries. So whether it's because of uh, risk compensation or because the helmet isn't that effective, uh, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion. It only matters that it didn't. It didn't do its job. Marie, when when you give this this talk um, around the, the places you've given it to, and you have given it to, as I said before, at least three places that I can I can see here. So, Ecom two thousand eighteen, Velo Finland, and Ecocentrum Gothenburg are the three places I can I can see here. Are they cycling audiences or are they non cycling audiences? Apart from Velo Finland, I'm guessing it's obviously got to be uh, cycling. But the other two, yeah, in Gothenburg it was a cycling audience mostly, um, and in Ecom it was it was um, ur- urbanists or you know people who who were yeah kind of maybe on the same side already. Um, not so much the cycling audience, but you know, it's it's the same. Uh, we promote the same things: uh, dense cities and uh, public transport and cycling and walking. So, so with the concept you were raising, was that a surprise to them, or was this? Of course, this is this is this is crazy that you should have to wear helmets and for this. Or, or what you were saying to them was like made them think differently. Um, many people came to thank me and they told me that this was really good. Um, of course, if there were somebody somebody who didn't like it or who, who disagreed with me, there might have been somebody, mm. but they just didn't come and, and tell me that. Um, but many people came to say that it really makes sense. And, and uh, yeah, I know it's kind of like preaching to the choir, but still I mm. think... This I hope that this will help people to understand this topic better and to give them arguments they can use 
uh, in their work or whatever they do with uh, urbanis- uh, urban design or cycling. Um, so maybe it will spread through those those people who are first like on the same side already. I don't expect that somebody who is really pro pro helmet and really a, a car person would you know accept this what I what I say here. Now you you said preaching to the choir there, but th- this is a subject that is incredibly contentious in in cycling. Never mind outside cycling. Uh, within cycling, it, it, it raises incredible um, emotions with people, and it does come down to, in many in many cases, like faith based. It's like, and and where you said cultural safety, it comes down to it must work. So I'm going to think that, and and it, it, no matter how many times you can you can show one set of statistics that the actual safety, which you're talking about, it won't shift that opinion. So cycling bodies are split on this cyclists are split on this so it's a very contentious subject it is yeah and especially with you said that it is split with cyclists um in my experience um, there are a lot of people who who like do cycling sports for sports and then they, of course, they go fast and then they wear all the gears and, and helmets um, because it's, it's, I think, like road cycling is dangerous. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that because I'm really safety oriented. So though, with those people, there are sometimes problems to make them understand that what's really like there is a difference between sports and traffic. And, and people who don't do it for sports, then they just want to go to the job or, or, or to a supermarket. Um, but then again, there are people who understand this, even though they do sports. And then there are these common people who have no idea about cycling. And then they just want to try cycling for the first time. And then somebody have told them that you need a helmet and it's vital to have a helmet. And then they just believe that because they are told that. Yeah. So, but do you think a lot of people are actually put off from cycling because of, of, of they feel they must wear a helmet? So they think, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cycle. I don't want to wear a helmet. Yeah, I, there is actually evidence of that, at least from Australia and New Zealand, that there are these people who who don't want to cycle because or who cycle less because they they don't want to wear a helmet. And uh, I I believe that there are people in Finland also. Who are put off from uh, cycling because there is this kind of sort of social pressure to wear a helmet at least mm. or they think it's mandatory um, but I think even even a stronger factor is that they think that cycling is dangerous or they don't think they feel it's dangerous because it's unconscious thing because they have been told they have been showed these graphic in- images of uh, crushed uh, watermelons, like an eggs, and you know, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for years, for years, our road safety council have shown people these graphic pictures and scared mm. them off. Uh, they telling people that uh, immediately when you take your bicycle and if you don't have a helmet, you will hit your head on the asphalt and then it will you will die or injure for the rest of your life. So I think it's the image of cycling as a dangerous activity that puts people off more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I think lots of the listeners to this program will, will very probably agree with you there. Now, uh, it's been wonderful talking to you uh, today, Marriott. If Now, your uh, your website is probably going to be easier for me to just put in the, the, the show notes because there's some, there's some uh, in, interesting uh, letters in there in, in, in spelling. But your Twitter name is much, much easier. So if you just tell us uh, who you are on Twitter and people want to follow you, uh, it's much easier to to spell this one. Uh, I don't know actually how how would I spell that. <laughs> um, my Twitter name is C Y C L I T E, so it's cyclite. You would say, yeah, cyclite. Yes, yeah. But you can also find me by my name. Just put it on Twitter, and I don't think there is a, mm-hmm. another person with the same name in the world. <laughs> Thanks to Mariut Oliterbo there. I've placed her presentation in the show notes on the-spokesmen.com and that's where you can also find a link to Hive's Vests for Chickens and a whole bunch of other stuff, including all previous 212 shows. Okay, I fess up. This wasn't a round table as I'd promised you. Jim was sick as was Donna, and Tim had to look after a sick daughter. We'll try again real soon. Winter virus is willing. Meanwhile, get out there and ride. <laughs>